Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube. But ultimately, you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Well, hello everybody, and welcome back to Christian Life Church Online, where again, we're happy that you've joined with us. And... Um, Today we're going to be talking, uh, continuing to talk about God in my everything, and I don't know what to call this, so I'm calling it God in my wallet. We have been working through this uh, short series, and this is the last week. Uh, next week we're going to be launching into a whole other thing about our thoughts and our minds and, and a lot of the stuff that goes on there, and let's finish it off this week as we look at God in my everything. Peter Grandich entered uh, Wall Street back in 1984. Now, Peter didn't have any formal education or training, and he became one of the most sought after investment authorities. He was one that uh, predicted the, the crash in 1987 of Wall Street and made other predictions that came true as well. He, is, he became known as the Wall Street whiz kid and here's what he says. He says, the answers to all sorts of money issues can be found in the good book, in the Bible. He said, I get my financial guidance from the Bible. And uh, in a prepared statement, he said, money and possessions are the second most referenced topic in the Bible. Money is mentioned more than 800 times and the message is clear. Nowhere in scripture is debt viewed, debt viewed in a positive way. So Forbes magazine asked the question, is the Bible the ultimate financial resource? It's notable when you read uh, authors like uh, Peter Kiyosaki from Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and other popular uh, prominent authors on finances, how often they refer to the importance of generosity being built into your personal financial plan that you don't just earn and invest and save, but they talk frequently about giving away and uh, generosity. But today we wanna look beyond giving and take a, a broad view of what the Bible says about the stewardship of our treasures. We have all kinds of different treasures, things that we treasure in life. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 says, friends, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. When I started ministry as a young pastor, I was full-time in ministry. I was planting a little church and in a northwestern uh, Saskatchewan community. It was a little town of about 380 people. I always said there were two things that I didn't ever want to do when 
I went into the ministry. I said, I never want to move to northern Saskatchewan, and I never want to be a church planter. And so about three days after I graduated from college, I moved up to northern Saskatchewan to plant a church. I didn't do it for the money, let me tell you. In fact, my income dropped by a third to a half of what I was making when I was working part-time as a full-time student. So it wasn't a lot there. By the time I paid my phone bill and my gas, there was like really no more money and probably would have starved to death if it wasn't for the generosity of farmers who would bring me meat and stuff to, to cook and eat. Well, there was a gentleman in my church and he, I remember talking to him one day about the financial struggles and, and he used to quote this scripture. He said, be on your guard against all kinds of greed and this is what he'd, he'd quote all the time. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. It's interesting. And it used to drive me nuts when he said that. I hated it when he said that. Because it was like, you know, the message I got as, as a young guy was, yeah, you know, I'll just be content having nothing. You know, it's okay. You just be content because life doesn't consist in abundance of possessions. Man, I would have liked to have just been able to afford a you know, a haircut, but it did make a lot of sense. And it was also a principle that I never, ever forgot. See, he had learned the secret of contentment. He'd been on the earth for much longer than me. And he understood that having more was not his secret to happiness. He wanted me to learn the same thing. This simple living farmer had had a lesson to teach a struggling young man, a struggling young, in my case, pastor. And so today I wanna to look at this issue of stewardship. Stewardship is taking care of something. If you're looking after somebody's home, you're stewarding that home. If you're borrowing somebody's car, you're being a steward of that car. You're looking after it. You're taking care of it. And so we have talents and we have gifts, we have time and we have treasure. And all of these things we are to steward, we are to look after. And that's what this whole uh, series has been about, about God in my everything. It's about stewardship, not ownership, but about stewardship of the things that we have been entrusted with in life. Ownership. We often talk about ownership. People, you know, say, well, I own my own home. I own my own car. And we obviously would say we own our clothes and our furniture and household items. Some people say I own a business. Many would say I own money. Why do we say that? Well, because they're in our, in our name. They, they, they don't belong to somebody else. They're ours. And so we refer to ourselves as owners. It's interesting, a couple of years ago, I did a burial service for one of the richest, most wealthy, successful businessmen in our city. He had um, multiple well-established, well-known businesses. If I mentioned them to you, you'd know who and what they, what they were, are. And not just in our province, but in other provinces as well. 
His name was on um, <laughs> some local institutions as a huge philanthropist. He gave a lot of money away, had a collection of, of uh, elite uh, cars, and uh, traveled, and he was a very successful man. But you know what was interesting? His casket was really the exact same size as any other casket I've seen. The only thing that was in his casket was him. There was nothing that he had had that he was able to take to the grave. He was alone in it. You know, when my wife and I travel, we will hop on an airplane sometimes. We don't own it. We will get a rental car at an airport. We don't own it. We'll stay in a hotel. We don't own that. We just use these things. That's all, we just use them. Michael Huffington said, when we die, our money, fame, and honors will be meaningless. We own nothing in this world. Everything we think we own is in reality only being loaned to us until we die. And on our deathbed, at the moment of death, no one but God can save our souls. And the other thing that happens on our deathbed is the ownership. <laughs> The stewardship of everything we possess gets passed on to other people. So let's look at a proper perspective on ownership and stewardship. It's important to have a proper perspective on this. In Job chapter 1 verse 21, Job says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. There's, uh, there's some takeaways in this. Everything we have is temporary. We're stewards, not owners. And we hold on to these things lightly. That we're to use things and not love them. And lastly, don't let things own you. I, uh, I wrote this message at the beginning of this week. It was an interesting beginning. When we came into church last Sunday, somebody said to me, your website's down. I didn't know it. I'm not gonna get into the reasons why it was down. I, that's kind of boring. But I came into the office at 6.30 in the morning on Monday. I spent about eight hours online trying to figure out the problem and get everything lined up. This was the beginning of what was going to be a very busy week. After eight hours of working, I was stressed. I would say I was frustrated. I was uptight. I was upset and I was angry because this problem owned me. It owned me, it had me. I had done my best, but I realized I've got limited skills in these areas. It's not my specialty. But I had to stop at some point. So about 2.30 in the afternoon, I, I just stopped. And I had to put it in perspective that this isn't the end of the world and that there's other stuff that matters. And even though it seems like I've hit a wall on this particular problem, 
It doesn't own me. And that's the way it is in life. The problems and the stresses that you have, the challenges that you have, don't have to own you. And likewise, all the stuff that you're concerned about, all the things you're taking care of, all of the things that you are responsible for, don't let them own you. You do your best to steward them, but don't let them own you. Don't let them control you. Realize that you're just a steward. You're not an owner. You're not going to be taking this with you to the grave. They don't own you. When I was able to take that perspective, I was able to kind of breathe again and, and, and relax again and say, okay, yeah, okay, it, it's not all about this. There's other things that are important. And so I was able to end the day having it ending, having been very productive and got lots of other work done. And um, it wasn't a waste. It didn't own me. So here's the deal. Stewardship is the wise use of our resources. What is the wise use of our resources? How do we use our resources wisely? How do we use what we've been entrusted to wisely? Well, I'm going to give you a few important things that I think are part of Scripture that give us some good guidance, some good advice. One of the first things we can do to be a good steward is to avoid getting into debt, avoiding consumer debt. Now, I recognize that some debt is good. Some people assume debt. They might buy rental properties and actually make a profit off of those properties. They use somebody else's money to actually derive income. So some debt is actually good. Sometimes people are... They have to have a business debt. They have to have a line of credit. There's an ebb and flow of their cash flow and they need the bank's money to help them make money. And so some, some debt is unavoidable. Paying a mortgage for most people today is kind of unavoidable. Not a lot of people uh, get their first house and they got hundreds of thousands of dollars in cash to put down to pay cash for a house. So you're either going to pay a mortgage or you're going to pay a landlord's mortgage. So some debt is necessary and okay. But whenever the Bible speaks of debt, it gives you this sense of it being a form of bondage, of being bound by it. And in these inflationary times that we're living, we really need to be careful to avoid debt, to curb spending. To not live off the credit card because it's a trap. 1 Samuel chapter 22 too says, speaks of those who were distressed, indebted, and discontented. And it's funny how these three kinds of people were, were lumped together. Maybe it was all the same person, but, but it speaks of these individuals who are distressed, indebted, and discontented. And you will find that when people are deep in debt, they're distressed. They're discontent. They're in a bad state, sometimes mentally and emotionally. Romans chapter 13, 8 says, Be indebted to no one. 
And so the Bible's clear about debt, and, and I think that we need to really be careful about incurring debt. Well, here's another way to be a good steward, and that is to save an inheritance for your children. In Proverbs 13, 22, it said, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. What this tells us is it's okay to have money. It's okay to have investments. It's okay to have money put away. It's okay to be wealthy. Many godly people are very wealthy. And on the other hand, many are not. You see, God's kingdom has room for both. Many in the scriptures had an abundance of wealth. But Jesus also made it a priority for, for his followers, for his disciples, to take care of the poor. So we need to be wise. We should try and save, and it's okay to have investments. That's good stewardship. And we recognize but not, that not everybody has the means or the wherewithal to be able to do that. And so Jesus would have us care for the poor and also commends those who are able to save an inheritance for their children's children. Here's another way that we can be good stewards, and that is to plan well, to wisely use the resources that we have been entrusted with. Plan well. In Luke chapter 14, verse 28, it says, if you plan to build a tower, sit down first and count the cost to see if you have enough money to finish it. For some people, that tower is their monthly budget. It's getting through from the 15th to the 30th or from the, the 1st to the 15th. Sitting down, planning, budgeting, setting aside what is needed. And boy, there is a real relief when you know that um, the resources are there. You know, we, a, a number of years ago, we sat down and worked out a budget. And so every month we set aside money for things like Christmas presents and it's just a few dollars and we set aside money for birthday presents and and we set aside money for house insurance every month a little bit goes into an account for these various things that's making a plan it's making a budget it's counting the cost it's seeing how much is this tower going to cost and so when the the price of the tower of house insurance comes up the money's there when Christmas comes up the money's there because you plan, you budget, you look forward, you look ahead. That's good stewardship. It's wise resources. It's wise use of the resources that God gives us. Here's another one. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven says, God loves a cheerful giver. So another wise use of God's resources Another wise way to be a good steward is to give, to give things away. So in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, when it says God loves a cheerful giver, it means that God literally takes delight in you when you give. When you give to the poor, he says to remember the poor and the needy. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing, Proverbs chapter 28, 27. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay you. Proverbs 19, 17. 
That's quite a promise. That when you're giving to the poor, you're actually, it's like the Bible says, it's like you're making a loan to God. And God repays his loans. He repays his debts. He gives back to us. Now, another way that we give is to give to God. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not throw open the windows of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room to store it. Now, I want to stop here for a minute and say this. I am not preaching that you need to give to get rich. Or that, you know, you need to give $1,000 to this church or some other church and God's going to wipe out your debt. I think a lot of that stuff is, is a real abuse of Scripture. What I'm saying here is there seems to be a promise from God that He will take care of you if you're faithful with the tithe. Now, I've proven this in my own life and God has looked after us over the years. Even in times when there's been real need and and some real financial hardships we've been able to trust god through those things when we try to make it on our own in our own way on our own terms god lets us but for some people maybe it works but for some people they really struggle and they've they they have acknowledged that there seems to be a release that happens in their hearts and in their lives when they've tested God in this and they've given. Another thing that we think about is, is giving generously. You know the tithe is only 10%? But the Bible actually talks about giving abundantly. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, it says, Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Philanthropy is is the desire to promote the welfare of other people of others and it's 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 expressed by generous donations of money to good causes and there are many philanthropists who have great amounts of money and they give generously you know they'll they'll cut a check for hundred thousand dollars to a worthy cause maybe millions and millions of dollars to worthy causes. Many of these people will, will sow abundantly into God's work. They may support missions projects, build churches overseas, help, help orphanages, whatever it is. They are philanthropists and they give generously. And we're all encouraged, whether we have much or whether we have little, to be generous as stewards of what God's entrusted us with. Here's, here's something else I want to say. Stewardship is trusting God. Stewardship is trusting God to take care of you. It's like saying, I'm not my own. God has me. He'll take care of me and I can trust him. See, in Psalm 37, it says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. And there's a general principle here, and that's that God takes care of his own. In Matthew chapter 6, 33 to 31, 
It says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Glenn Turner said that worry is, is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. To those of us who like to worry, we, we might say that Jesus is kind of being a little bit careless, a little bit irresponsible here. We think that responsibility lays with us to worry, to stew, to fret, because if we don't do it, it's not going to get cared for. But good stewardship, good stewardship and trusting God, not worrying, they go hand in hand. Good stewardship is learning to trust God, learning to do our best without worry, working and trusting planning and believing not doubting but managing giving to god giving to others being generous trusting him for provision so i want to close with these thoughts when i look at our congregation i'm not sure how many people are really struggling but I would say that probably many, I don't pastor a, a church full of really wealthy people. We have many people that have come to Canada as refugees from other parts of the world, most recently from Ukraine, left everything they had behind. Arrived at the airport with a suitcase. And so they're starting over again. That's a challenge. We have seniors that are trying to stretch pension checks. Young people that are seeing the price of housing go through the, through the roof. Maybe one of the first generations that has literally given up the dream of home ownership. We see inflation taking many people's limited means and making it nearly impossible to get by. Business people trying to recover from a pandemic. And if you listen to the news, there's all kinds of gloom and doom in the forecast about the future. So this is probably a timely message. See, the way I see it, God loves you. And God promises to take care of you. And as we do our part, we can trust him more than trust him to do his part. And maybe today you say, that's, that's kind of a good word, but I'm not really a believer. Maybe you've never, first of all, started with putting your trust in Jesus and you've been living life on your own terms in your own way and you've been pretty self-sufficient. 
It's not a sign of weakness to put your hands in the life of God, in the hands of God. It's, it's, it's not a sign of weakness to put your life in the hands of God. It's not a sign of weakness to say, I'm going to turn my life over to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to live for him. It's a good thing to do. And there are many promises in the scriptures that apply to us that he does care for you. He does love you. And he will look after you. He won't forsake you. And so I encourage you to start with a simple prayer. Of, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I trust you with my life. Forgive my sins. I'll live for you. And if you're struggling with other things, take the scriptures. I read you many today. Go over them. Listen to this again. Write the scriptures down. Go over those. Start to pray about them. Start to apply them to your life. Write them down. And take them as promises from God that he'll look after you. I wasn't planning on saying this. But we came to this church uh, 21 years ago. This is my second... Uh, turn at, at pastoring this church. I was here for six, gone for ten, back for five. When we came here back in 2001, it was just after 9-11 had happened. The building was run down. There were very few people left in the congregation. And there was really no money. Very little money coming in. Not even enough to, to cover a salary and the mortgage payment. And I remember many times um, taking these little like recipe cards and writing Bible verses on them, like I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread and other promises in scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding. And I really needed to trust the Lord in those early days of pastoring this church because it was sink or swim. There was no guarantee of success. We were here to, to replant a church that was literally on the verge of closing down. God was faithful. God brought us through. God provided. And here we are now, 21 years later, and this work is still standing because God, because of God because God is faithful. The church has learned to be generous over the years and we've been most recently generous with helping Ukrainian refugees and we've seen God be faithful. We've seen God do abundantly above more than we could ever ask or imagine. And I wanna encourage you today to take some of these principles that I've talked about today and trust God, trust God Trust him to do the impossible. Trust him with your debt. Trust him with your generosity. Trust him with your tithe. Trust God and see what he does, what he can do. I hope this word encourages you today. I really hope it does. It's a word that is, is close to my own heart. I, I try to live it every day. And I know that God is faithful and we do trust him. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for being part of, 
part of uh, this, this podcast and, and, and joining with us. For those that come in every week, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, our website works again now, so now you can contact us. Uh, thanks to my son, Scott, he, he got us going. God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week.